What you're saying is there's no broad brush recipe for successful church planting. There's not. Now, there are things that I think there are some red rules, like some things that are like you have to do. There are some things you have to do this way, you know. Um, (laughs) I think you have to be legit. You have to have a health, a, um, a responsible way of receiving, you know, donations. For sure, you have to be above board on that right. stuff. It's not just going to like Kevin Hockenberry's like <laughs> personal Bro, bank account. Yeah, no joke, man. I, I I saw a guy planning a church, and he's like, he's like, yeah, if you want to give to my church, man, you can hit me up at Pastor So and So at my Cash App, and I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Post Lunch. My name is Anthony Jen, and I'm here with Kevin Hockenberry. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode Ocho. This is episode Ocho. (laughs) I'm really, you know what? I'm excited. And I just want to take a second, if you don't mind, while you're taking a sip of that coffee. I want to take a second and just thank all of our listeners. We have a handful of people. (laughs) <laughs> it's more than a handful. It, it is a growing audience. It really is. Yes. And uh, we are very appreciative of your support. If you haven't um, already done so, take this moment and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us. If you're listening anywhere else, subscribe. Um, that helps us. We are actually eligible, coming up soon, to start um, having paid ads on our, yes. on our platform here. So looking forward to that, that, that 25 cents a week, maybe. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where it starts though. Right. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, today, um, you were, you were in a meeting, a phone call meeting. Yes. And you, and you came back into the office. Yes. And I, and I said something about where we should go to lunch and I, and I threw you off. You did throw me off. I said, Hey, let's go to that little deli and get a sandwich. And I said, what deli are you talking about? And I said, the deli over there by the Home Depot. Okay, for, for those of you guys who don't know, I'm not a sandwich guy. No. I'm really not. I'm, I, like, I don't like to eat cold food for lunch. I think that's what it really boils down to. Yeah, that's, that's, that is what it boils down to. Right? Which blows my mind. We talked about this before because you didn't grow up eating cold sandwiches. You no. Know, if your family's going to make a sandwich, it was a hot sandwich. If you did a sandwich. Right. It's not that I won't eat it. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm not having a sandwich. Right. But for the most part, I don't like, I'm not going to go get a sandwich. So that's why we rarely get, that's why we rarely get like good cold sandwiches because you're just not into that. Right. We go to places that are hot plates. So you said, let's go to Cavallari Gourmet. Cavallari Gourmet. It is a deli in Oviedo, Florida. Yes. And I, you threw me for a loop because I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, I'll go there for sure. Because you've been there. I have been there for multiple reasons. One, to have a sandwich, but they also have a great um, uh, butcher there with lots of meats and uh, lots of salads and different things like like potato salad and all that stuff. Uh, that is actually where I get my meat for the cheesesteak that I make. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second. Let's just talk about when, okay, we got out of the truck mm-hmm. and we walked in. And I felt like yeah. my bottom jaw was going to fall off. I told you you were going to like it. You had never been before. I had never been. And so right away, you started taking me for a tour. We did the tour of the store. Yeah. It was amazing. There's the cold cases everywhere. Yes. You just walk in and there's just like these cold boxes. Like you can get um, uh, uh, like take and bake type stuff, mm-hmm. right? So prepared sides and all right. that stuff. Or even like I think full dinners. There were some sections of like uh, yeah, it's full, quite a bit full pre-made stuff. It's a deli with a market. 
Yeah, it was am- it was amazing. Yeah. And I've been to a few delis before, and delis usually have a really off smell to me. What? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't delis know it, have a fantastic smell. Usually for me, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I don't know if it's the cheeses all mixing with all the meats. It's wonderful. It's too much. But this place, this place did not have that off-putting smell. Yes. It was very delightful. I felt like I was at Nani's house or something <laughs> there. It was so nice. So you got a um, roast beef sandwich. Yes. That's a lot more fancy than what I just made it sound like. Yes. Well, I think I think it was called the Primo. Mm-hmm. The Primo. I or the Prime? Right. No, I think the you're Prime right. Primo. Anyways, this guys. I got the I got the foot long. Mm-hmm. Okay. On white bread. Mm-hmm. This is how they built this sandwich. Ready? Okay. Talk to me. They first opened up this this jar of ricotta cheese that had I guess spinach. What was well? You could tell they make it there. They make everything there. Yeah. Okay. And she spread this ricotta cheese on the bread like it was mayonnaise. It's called a ricotta spread, and it was delightful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then and then she put the the roast beef on on the sandwich, arugula, mm-hmm. this Cavallari's uh, vinaigrette. Mm-hmm. There was these roasted red peppers. Some roasted red peppers. Nice touch. Um, Arugula. Did you say arugula? Yeah, arugula and red onion. Yeah, you know when there's that iceberg lettuce, you know, it's a it's a good start. And and you got the Italian the Italian. I got the Italian. The classic. Yes. The classic. Yeah. Now, me not being a sandwich guy, right. I took a bite of my sandwich you and were, I was gone. You were happy. I was happy. You got a side of potato salad too. I did get a side of potato salad. Yeah. I just I couldn't not. Right. <laughs> I saw you. I you wrestled with that for a few minutes, didn't you? <laughs> you kept looking at it. I was like, uh, I was like, I have to get something from this cold case, and, and I didn't want to get like chicken salad. So, so um, on a scale of one to five uh, Yelp stars, you can't go half stars. Okay, okay? You're, you're locked in. You got to do full stars. One to five, where you at? Based off of the one and Your one third, experience, my there. one experience, bro. That was five stars for me. Okay. The ex- the environment was inviting, and um, I, there was something about it that felt like home to me. Yeah, it's very northeast feeling, very very New York. It feels like a place like an Italian, like like Jewish type place you'd find in like New York City. I I found myself after every bite saying, "Bro, yeah, I remember." It was getting <laughs> annoying. I'm not bad, dude. <laughs> I was I was thoroughly enjoying my sandwich. <clears throat> so let me chime in. Um, I I am okay. I like to cook. I like to make food. I, if you were to like, you know, hold me down and say, what is the number one like food you're like best at making? Cereal. I'd probably <laughs> go sandwich. You know, really? Probably. You I mean, would I say s- sandwich. Well, that includes a cheesesteak, includes a hoagie. Oh, no, you know, all sandwich that stuff. is cold. No, 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 no. That's that's not even true. No, you're right because yeah. I've had a few sandwiches at your house that have been amazing. Yeah, like, I know how to make a sandwich. The yeah, the Reuben. You know what? I have a top 30 list of the best sandwiches. We'll have to go through that one day on this podcast. That would be a lot of fun. But I'm a sandwich guy. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's a hot pastrami sandwich. I mean, oh, there's just so man. many. I'm, I'm a sandwich guy. I know it. It's it's part of my my DNA from coming from Philadelphia. Is it in your bio for Instagram? It probably should be, right? It's the sandwich, <laughs> sandwich guy. guy. Well, I've even said if I'm going to open up a restaurant, I want to open up a restaurant called Little Sandwiches. And it's all about like a little sandwich, but you get to add like all the stuff to it, like, like mashed potatoes and all this stuff. Okay. Like, you know, whatever. But anyway... So I'm a sandwich guy, right? And so you're not. And so you appreciated quite a bit what you got. And I get it. It was it was a very good sandwich. Right. I tried yours. We went uh, a little kind of halfsies on this one. And right. I had some of yours. You had some of my Italian. 
Um, so here's my, you know, just some takes from a sand from a hoagie guru. Okay. Number one, she did leave a hinge, which I was impressed with. Uh, what that means is when she cut the roll, you know, she left. She didn't cut it completely in half. Right. New Yorkers call them subs, and they usually just slice that thing right down the middle and cut it in half. I don't like that. Yeah, people from Philly tend to, like, leave a hinge, we call it. Um, and so she left a hinge, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Y- you know, you go to a place like this, and it's like, it wasn't a classic Italian. You said classic. It wasn't a classic Italian. It was their version, their take on Italian. You don't put arugula on an Italian. That's the only lettuce they had. Um, I like a romaine on an Italian, obviously, if I'm going to put lettuce. Um, my other beefs are their lunch beans were pre-cut. Now, they, they could have pre-cut them an hour ago. They could have pre-cut them in that morning. Right. But then they come with the, um, what's that paper called? The uh, like cellophane. Yeah. like the, like. Um, it's not wax paper, though. It's not wax paper, but, you know, those little sheets of little plastic. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you're doing a ham sandwich, you gra- it's already pre-cut, ready to go, and she pops it on the sandwich. And peels that film and off. And peels the, the, the thing off. And... And whatever, so that's fine. It was probably, I'm sure the lunch meat was, was, was cut fresh, but my problem is, is that it was just so thick cut. Oh, you want razor thin. Gotta go, you gotta go. It's it, like a good sandwich. It's like the meat's fluffy and kind of piled in there a little Ooh. bit. And, and when they like just like cut it so thick and it just sits in there, especially I had two types of salami on mine. And that's, that's like hard to like kind of bite through and get it all, you know, gotcha. get it one bite. And so like my sandwich started having that like little like um, look to it where like, the meat's coming out of the bread as I'm eating yeah. it along the way. And it was kind of hard to bite through at times because it was just so thick cut. So that's just kind of like, you know, one of my little beefs that the regatta, uh, or as they would say, you know, up north, the regatta, you know, cheese spread was nice. But that should that doesn't belong, right? That doesn't belong in Italian. <laughs> I want sharp prove, you yeah. know, so it's just um, now, you know, their their butcher's awesome. That's where I go to get my, my meat for cheesesteak. They're one of the few places that does um, andouille sausage. Um so like I go there for meats. Here's they had my deal. Several sausages. Like I'm talking like probably twelve or thirteen At different least sausages. A dozen. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm going Yelp score, um, I'm I'm going five, and I'll tell you why. Because it's a mom and pop place. It's 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 you know very good, high quality. They do all their own you know uh, work there, butcher work and everything. And so I would not ever give a mom and pop place a three or a four because the sandwich wasn't how I would like it. If that makes sense. Right. So, like, I, I just, I don't know, I kind of have too much respect for places like that. Um, I would, if I was doing a review, I'd give it five stars, but I would put my comments in there. Right. Like, it'd be nice nice to have the, you know, the the, the lunch meat, you know, shaved down a little bit more. And But the, the bread was good. It was fine. I mean, the whole thing, I did have a, a Dr. Brown's draft-style root beer. This is a big uh, up-north deal, big Philly deal. Uh, it was nice to see some Dr. Brown's. Um, so I, it was a very nice, nice lunch. It was a beautiful day. We sat outside, so I'm happy. I'm glad that you're happy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than seeing you mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a couple things we need to get to, uh, today, uh, Bad Batch episode three. Matter of yeah. fact, today, episode four comes out. Oh man. I've not watched it yet. I need thereby. But you thought the first two were just okay or not very good. Yeah. Okay. So. We've we've been waiting for yeah. Bad Batch to come back, right? Yeah, coming on the heels of Andor, by the way. Right, and so like, I remember Bad Bad Batch season two ending pretty strong. Season one, season one, right? This isn't season three of Bad Batch. Season one, I'm lost, dude. I'm right. lost too. Are we on season? Whatever. The previous season, yes, ended strong, and so like, here comes the next one, and I just felt like it was like just another episode. It didn't feel like. A season premiere to me. 
Right. Yeah, but the third episode was really good. And and without giving too much away, because there's many people you know listening that are like, oh, I haven't watched that yet. I will just say this. Um, I need a Commander Cody Obi-Wan encounter. Whether it's on Bad Batch or, you know, if they do more Clone Wars, they've talked about that, or they're going to do another Obi-Wan live action. Right. You know, I need a moment where Commander Cody uh, has really come to grips with the fact that, you know, the inhibitor chip has kind of faded away. And now he realizes what he's done and, right. and how evil this empire is. And and I, that's what I need in my life. You you do know, like, the moment you say a word like inhibitor chip. We were losing people. We, we lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's pick it up. We'll, we'll pick it up with this then real fast. Public bathroom etiquette. Okay. Uh, yesterday, we went to um, El Poyon for lunch. Uh, guys, <laughs> it's a great place. If Again, you're ever in the area, just yeah. go. So we, we went. Uh, I, it's definitely... Is it twice a week now? It's definitely once a week. Definitely once a week. Yeah. So we went there yesterday. Brought Stacy, brought my wife. And um, and so I get there and, and, you know, I'm 45. And so usually one of the first things I do when I get to a restaurant now is I go to the bathroom. You make your mark. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm I, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I re- I'm kind of reaching that age where I don't, I don't pass up a hoop. You know what I mean? So <laughs> oh anyway, so I want to use the restroom and there's, there's someone in there. So I'm waiting and, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a one stall deal. Yeah. Right. It's- so. I'm walking into whatever he's leaving behind. Or she. Or she. I think this was a, a men and women's bathroom deal. Like, there's two of them. Oh, okay. So, anyway. Um, so, my man comes out, opens the door, and I walk in. He didn't flush the toilet. Oh. Wait a second. Never mind. There's never an excuse for that. I'm sorry. I think if there's four toilets you know and a bunch of stalls and all that stuff and you don't you don't want to flush it or whatever maybe you're you don't put your finger on the hand the handle or something whatever dude even then you can at least use your foot and kick the handle right it's at least guys i think sometimes we do that but you don't flush a toilet bro it makes me wonder like what does he do at home right or does he just look down on places when he's out you know i don't know man i came in i was like oh, dude like come on and here's the thing it was one of those el Poyon days where there was nobody else in the restaurant but us and, and the other guy and this guy and his buddy. I mean, people, more people came eventually, but, and the guy sat two tables down from us. Ew. So like he comes out and I'm waiting. If anything, like, oh, you know, I'd be like, oh man, hold on. I forgot to flush Was there the water in the sink? I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I was so like, I was so taken aback that he didn't flush the toilet. So I go in and, and, and I kick the flusher. You know what I mean? Flush. I'm like, I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm like, come on, dude, you can't, you can't flush the toilet. Like what's the matter with you, bro? Right. Uh, so anyway, so anyway, I'm done, clean up, do my thing. I come out and the guy's sitting two tables down for me and there's nobody else in the restaurant. Right. So he just sat there and ate his lunch knowing he let me walk into his, his filth, his mess the whole time. I don't know, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Are there any like public bathroom things that just like just grind your gears or just rub you the wrong way or? There was a time when I was in an airport one time and, uh, um, the janitor cart was like left there. Okay. I don't know where the janitor was. Okay. But I I'm not even I'm not lying when I'm telling you this. I took the the bleach spray, the clean spray. Okay. And um a few paper towels and I went and I cleaned my own toilet. Okay. Before I said I was like, if it's here's the thing. I think that they should just have like Clorox wipes. Right. It's not a bad idea. Or disinfect and like yeah. dude, I I feel like the bathrooms would be cleaner across the board. You know what's interesting? 
I don't see anymore. Remember those toilet hoop covers? Yep. Do you ever see those anymore? No. It's like they don't... No, no one was using them. Only at like old school like gas stations. Nobody was using them, right? Huh. No. Anyway, well, that's all I've got to say about that. Um, I do have um, a news story that I'd like to read today. It's some, it's some nice news. Extra, extra. Nice news. Here we go. Let's, Check this out. Let's hear it. What do you got? Claymont, Delaware. John Burl III, owner of Uncle John's Barbecue Stand in Claymont, Delaware. Sounds like a nice uh, post-lunch place, huh? <laughs> Snapped photos at a nearby gas station, posted them on his Facebook page, which you wouldn't have seen <laughs> because <laughs> you're never on Facebook, <laughs> um, to spread the kindness he witnessed. I was like, did my man just give him the shoes off of his feet? No way. And he starts walking over in his socks, Burl recalled. Burl's picture showed a good Samaritan giving his boots to a man that had none. The post was shared over and over, and soon Burl learned the good Samaritan's name, Jaywan Jones. I had Facebook messages and text messages, phone calls, uh, Jones of Wilmington. Jones 24 did not realize the kindness was captured on camera. That's kind of cool. So the guy's walking down the street. He sees, I saw the picture. It was probably a homeless person because um, they had a bunch of their stuff and gear all around them right. and everything. He said, it's all, it was, he, had, he saw that there's this guy's on shoes. So he gives him his shoes. I'll, I'll keep reading. Check this out. Um, <clears throat> John said he saw a man who was barefoot on a cold morning and knew he needed to help. I'm not in the best position myself, but if I can help, I can help. I don't mind. Helping people makes me happy. Jones explained. Jones, who works the overnight shift at the Target Distribution Center in Logan Township, New Jersey, said everyone around him always taught him to be kind and look out for others. That's interesting. Everyone all, all around him always taught him to be kind. Everyone all around him? He's got some good people in his life. My mom always used to say, be grateful for what you have because you don't have to have anything. Wow. You understand that? Be grateful for what you have because you don't have to have anything, Jones said. Jones continued, my mentor and my coach, Kerry Galloway, he always told me just to help somebody. If you can help one person, you never know that person can take that blessing and help someone else. The generosity stopped Burl in his tracks. That's the guy that took the pictures. I just want to thank him. Seriously, that, that was the nicest thing I've ever seen anybody do. Jones, Jones hopes people find their own ways to help in whatever way they can. You can hold the door for somebody. Um, that can make you feel good. You never know. Someone could be having a bad day. You could make someone's day. People have made my day, and honestly, I never knew it. It was amazing. It was an amazing selfless gesture that if anybody could learn something from anybody in this world, it's this guy right here. Kindness wins, man. It's a nice story, huh? It's a nice story. Walking by somebody's a cold day, bare feet. Man, I'll tell you, you know what? Once you lose your toes, bro, you know, once, once your feet get cold, bro, it's, it's game over. I think, too. Now... You're a Christian. Mm -hmm. you're, you're a pastor of a church. Right. I'm a Christian. I think when you allow the Holy Spirit yeah. to really speak to you yeah. in your everyday, I'm not like looking for some mystical thing that's happening, like, oh my gosh, like at the altar. Like, that's great. And like, I hope that you have those encounters personally with the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. But I'm just inviting the Holy Spirit into your everyday. Right. I think is what enables you to live outside of 
yourself or your immediate needs and wants, right? Yeah, you wonder like, <clears throat> is it a difference between, hey, that's a good idea or that's a calling, right? right? I see a guy without boots on, oh, I could give him my shoes. Or it's like God saying, hey, give him your shoes. For sure. You know what I mean? So there's a difference and if you're in tune with what God is saying. Man, I've done some crazy things out right. in the wild <laughs> for people. I was, at, I was at a grocery store one time and I felt like, I felt the heaviness of the Holy Spirit when this lady walked into the grocery store mm. and I tried to avoid it. I was mm. like, nah, I'm just like, never me, works. Let me get my groceries and get out of here. I'm in the cheese aisle. And it like, it felt like, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but I, I just felt heavy. Right. And I looked behind me here was this lady and her daughter. And I looked over and I felt the Holy Spirit saying like, you need to say this, this, and this. And I like threw my cheese sticks in the, in the, the cart and I turned to this lady and said, Hey, the Holy Spirit's telling me this, this, and this about your situation. And this lady just starts crying. Mm. And I was able to speak life to this lady and, mm. and to her daughter in that, in that moment. And so Elizabeth and I, we finished gr- doing our grocery shopping. We check out and we're walking to our van and I feel the Holy Spirit almost like tugging me backwards. Like I'm not done with you in there. I was like, wait, I did. I thought I did what I told, what you told me to do. Right. And he's like, no, you need to go back in there and I want you to pay for her groceries. Wow. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Right. So I'm looking for this lady in there. I I couldn't find her. I did all of my groceries from the cheese aisle. I finished everything. She only moved like maybe, maybe five steps. She's just making towards the milk almost. Right. Right. I don't know what she was going through. Like maybe she was considering everything that she had and like, man, if we only have this much money, can we get all this stuff or not? Right. right. And so maybe she was having to be strategic in what she was putting into her basket. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to wait around for, for this. Right. And so I just went to the front desk and I, and I got a gift card for this lady. And I, I went back and I found her. I said, Hey, I, I don't feel like I'm allowed to leave until I paid for your groceries. And she's like, right. what? And this lady just like hugged me like uh-huh. so hard and said, man, you like, you have reminded me that I'm seen. Wow. And I, I was like, hey, I, I was just trying to be obedient, right? Right. And um, I walked I walked back to the van and I told Elizabeth and she's like, how did it go? I was like, yeah, I'm, I just hugged this lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Anna, it was it was super like, it was super fulfilling to be able to be used when I wasn't even looking for the opportunity. Like right. just like from that nice news story. I don't think right. that guy went out. It's like I'm gonna go find somebody to give right. my boots to today. Right. No, I think he was compelled by the Holy spirit to right. move to action. And yeah, he chose to be obedient. Yeah. I mean, absolutely could be. I know for me, it definitely is more of a, a calling than just a decision I make, but then there's people out there that I'm sure that are not believers they're not Christians and they also do great things and for people. And I just know for me, there's a difference where like, like you paying for this lady's groceries, that's like, that's a good idea. Right. But when you can't drive away, right. <laughs> That's a calling, right? right. That's, a, that's an assignment that God is saying, hey, you need, to, you need to do this. Right. Right. I would even argue, you said some people who aren't Christians, I would even argue that the Holy Spirit is moving on people that are seemingly maybe unaware. Can be. You Absolutely. Know? You never know. <clears throat> so, so, Well, that's a cool story, man. Very Some very nice stories there. Um, we've got a fun show today. Uh, this was your idea. So I'll let you introdu- introduce this topic, this concept. Yeah. So, um, so we started this podcast and guys, if you can hear those uh, the yard work going on outside, welcome to our office here in Winter Springs. Right. 
we don't even have a yard out there, so I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they're blowing leaves or something. Anyways, um, our podcast, obviously, as you all know and love, is called Post Lunch. And uh, Pastor Kevin and I moved down here a couple years ago to plant a church, to launch a church. And so now we are almost, we're on our way to two years. Oh, we're past two years. We're past two years. Well, for the actual launch first service, we got two-year anniversary coming up, but we moved here in 2020. Right. March. So um, I thought it would be a fun episode today to call this post-launch. Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing there. We started a church, and I thought, you know, I thought it would be fun or interesting or compelling even for you to maybe share a little, some things that maybe some do's and don'ts or some things that you would say like, man, if I had known this, this could have helped me so much more or some things that you were like, man, I, if I had to do this all over again, I'm definitely doing this same thing again. Right. You know, even. Um, so I don't know if you have a list. I know that you, this is, this is kind of a cool thing. You have been invited mm-hmm. um, coming up this this coming Monday, yes, to go and speak at Southeastern University. No, it's a Zoom chat, Zoom call. Oh, I'm actually not sure who they're with. I think it might be Southeastern. Oh, okay, I'm not really sure. Oh, but okay, you're gonna. But be... I have a friend of mine who's a professor at a college. He's like, hey, I would love for you to come in and share with my students. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to Lakeland. Oh, so it's virtual. It's a virtual deal. Yeah, cool. It is cool. It's really yeah. Cool. And so you you get to share kind of some of the things that you've learned along the way of being a church planter. Yes, and all that means. For those of you who don't know what planting a church means, you kind of started this entire thing from nothing based off of what the Lord told you and Pastor Stacy to do. Yes. So I don't know if you have a list or if you have a starting point where you want to start, but I think it would be really fun if you just kind of, I, I know this may be vulnerable for you, but to share some of the like, you know, answering that call and some things that you wish you would have done differently or some things that you really like admire about. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we can probably come back uh, and do another episode on our whole story of kind of how we arrived here. It's, it's, there's a lot of supernatural <clears throat> components to it. I mean, it is a God-ordained deal. So I, I won't get much into um, us getting here and arriving here and all that fun stuff. Um, but um, before I start, I just want to give a shout out to, um, to Stadia. Stadia is an organization that's a network that helps um, churches get planted um, I, I always kind of say like this, they don't give you money, but they give you ex- expertise. Right. And, um, man, I, I could not have planted this church without Stadia. They, um, they basically, I, a way to put it is they kind of give you 10 things, like a check, a, a, a um, checklist of things you got to do every week. Right. Right. They're, they're almost like, a, an executive pastor or a consultant coming alongside you and just every step of the way through the pre-launch, through the launch, and then even post-launch. Okay. Uh, they're just spending a lot of time with you. And man, I, I was actually on the phone with one of my, I guess I would even call him a mentor at this point, um, Tim Selleck. He's part of, of this organization. He, he pastored a church for 30 years, very successful church in California. And so, man, I just got to talk with him and he just listens as I talk. And uh, so Stadia's been unbelievable. Um, also, shout out to Church Multiplication Network, CMN. Uh, that's our, our AG tribe. Um, our, our church planting journey started uh, with them uh, and continues with them. Uh, we went to a, um, like an, uh, I guess, some kind of uh, what they call it, like a launch week. And so I spent four days there in Tampa, uh, January 2020, before the pandemic. Right. And, um, 
and it was through the ministry there of Church Multiplication Network um, that the Lord spoke to us and said, you're going to plant a church. Um, of course, you didn't mention anything about the you know pandemic or the <laughs> yeah. civil unrest that oh followed. Oh, my gosh. And, so 2020 was an interesting year to, to start a church, especially 800 miles away from where you live. Right. Um, so that was that was crazy. But just big shout out to those two organizations. Uh, we did plan through those those two networks, and those guys are awesome. Uh, so I'm just going to share some things with you today. And um, these are just things I've learned for me personally. If you're planning a church, you know, I would say listen to this and see how it works for you. It's almost like reading a, a book, you know, like a leadership book. There might be some bones you got to spit out. Right. Maybe there's some good meat that you can hold on to. But these are just some things, some thoughts. Um, the first thing I would I would say here is um, if you can, and I didn't listen to this rule, uh, but start a church close to where you already are. Um, it seems like in my church planting experience, a lot of the churches that have been most successful, you know, are, are men and women that are planting churches 20 minutes, 30 minutes from the church they're already in. Um, and, and if you do that, obviously do it the right way, do it ethically, get the pastor's blessing and all that. Right. Um, unless the pastor is just an absolute narcissist and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yikes. Um, but you know, which they do exist. Um, but no, you do it the right way. You try to try, try to have come to an agreement with your pastor and Hey, 30 minutes from here, which is far enough away to start a church. And, and typically when you do that, you're able to take a few people with you. Some people, you know, especially if you're the youth pastor or music pastor, kids pastor, you've had yes, some people you re- have a relationship with. Right. And you can theoretically start day one with a core team of 30, 40, 100 plus people. And uh, churches like that, I think, really uh, tend to tend to do well. Um, you know, I, I think about it, you know, for, for, for me, um, had I planted, I was at a church called Chapel Springs Church in Northern Virginia. Fantastic church, fantastic pastor. Man, um, I, I look up to Pastor Scott Live. I mean, he's he's a mentor. He's a friend. He's He's everything, you know, you want in the boss. I mean, he's just, he's the man. Um, and had I planted, you know, 30 minutes from Chapel Springs, um, because I had been on staff for 12 years, um, we would have started with, I think, a significant amount of people, at right. least 100 people or 200 people. Right. Um, which, of course, you know, gives you the finances you need to help get going and everything. Um, and it just seems like, you know, nine out of 10 church planters that get highlighted you know, and have their stories told in these church planting magazines, they're just planting 30 minutes away. And usually it's in an area that's growing. Right. <laughs> so this house is being built and everything. So you're walking into growth. Growth. Right. Um, and I just think your chances for success go up exponentially uh, when you when you do this. So any thoughts from you on that? Any questions? <clears throat> no, I think the the looming X factor in all of that is the Holy Spirit too, right? Just exactly. going back to that. Exactly. I mean, I, I know you probably had that in the back of your mind to to plant closely mm-hmm. to where you were living and all that stuff. But when God tells you to go somewhere and move somewhere, right? I mean, <laughs> you can't say no to that, right? No, and so it's hard to ignore. Yeah, and I, I'd like to say we chose the hard route, but the, the hard route was chosen for us. You know right. what I mean? And I definitely looked. There was actually this little city there in North Virginia called Dumfries. And it was, was it Del, or was it Dale City? It might have been Dale. No, it was Dale City. And it was like one of these like top unreached cities in the country with like like no church or very few churches. And it's like, well, that's it's 30 minutes away. You right. know, we could have definitely done that. And I had a heart for the city I was living. I lived in my city for 10 years. Right. Warrington, Virginia. I could have started a church there. Um, but that's just not where God had us. God had called us back to Florida. And, right. And, um, and it ended up being Orlando. And then even when we got to Orlando, I thought it was going to be more in the Claremont area, which is west of Orlando. 
that's where my in-laws live. And that just makes sense. Because again, I started church and I got 50 Puerto Ricans showing up day one, you know, because right. my family, my, my in-laws are, are, are Hispanic and they all have no people there. And the network is extensive. Right. And, but the Holy Spirit was like, no, we're going to put you by the university. We want you over by UCF. And then I was like, dang, <laughs> like that's hard, man. Uh, which kind of brings me to my second thought. And I just, I feel like this is a rule that you just have to follow. I, I just don't, I know people have been successful not following this rule, but I just think it's really, really hard. Um, but number two, I would just say you need to live in the community where your church is. I agree with that so much. I I also lived in Virginia for 10 years and uh, I happened to live 45 minutes away from mm-hmm. Chapel Springs. I was on staff there with you. And it was very hard to be involved when you, it's almost an hour drive either way. Right. Right. Or if I would like make a connection with somebody in my neighborhood, I'm not like, Hey, <laughs> drive with right. me an hour to church on Sunday. I was inviting people to other churches within a stone's throw of where I live. Does that make sense? So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think you can get away with this as a youth pastor on staff somewhere. Um, I mean, I've been a youth pastor a couple times now, a few times. And a couple of those times, I mean, I had 30 minute drives. I I did not live in the same community and that was a struggle. Right. Um, But as, as a, as a man, as a church planter, you, you got a little core team going Right. You need to be able to be eating and drinking and living near, you know, um, these people. I, I kind of put on here and you, you you alluded to it, but you should be able to invite the following people to your church without distance being a deterrent. Your barber, your hairstylist, your mechanic, your next door neighbor, the dentist, the guy standing behind you at the grocery store who just complimented your church merch, <laughs> the barista, the waitress at the local Mexican spot, anyone you meet at the gym and pottery class, at the playground where your kids play, any any of the parents from your kids' sports teams. I mean, it's like, dude. Right. Oh, yeah, come to my church. It's, you know, it's over in this city, over in this two counties over. And th- just to nail this point home, I live about three and a half miles away from our office here. Right. I ride my bike to and from work. I rarely leave Tuscaloosa Road. That's the yeah. road we're off of. Yeah. I don't. I rarely leave. Like I go yeah. from Redbug to four thirty four, which is like a three and a half mile span. I hardly leave that. Anymore. I know. I'm the same way. There, there will be weeks where I haven't gone more than fifteen minutes from my house. Right. Like weeks. Um, and I kind of put this in here. You know, you want to bleed your city. And have a deep knowledge of all that is happening there. And the only way to do that is to live there. Right, because you'll care about it more too, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, my my kids, my, my Joey plays baseball in our city's baseball league. I coach in our city's baseball league. Right. I've been asked to do the opening prayer in our city's baseball league on opening day. You know what I mean? Right. I've made connections in our baseball league that when people are going through hard times, they're reaching out for me. Right. You know, I want to, I want to know my city. I want to bleed my city. I want to love my city. I want to give my life for my city. Right. How can I do that if I don't live in my city? Right. And I just think those are just, you know, and again, you know, and, and maybe someone's listening to this and just like, oh man, but I can't just, you know, it's, I can't, I can't, my kids are in some school right now. I can't get them out of, or it's too expensive for me to move or you get all these different reasons why. And it's just like, man, I, I trusted God. I sold my house not knowing where I was going. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I guess I just, maybe I'm more um, risk. What'd you call that? Adverse. Would it be the opposite? It would be the opposite, wouldn't it? Ad- adverse to risk? Wouldn't that be a bad thing? 
I don't know. I'm more open to risk. That's good. That works. You know, so I mean, I, we'll get into my story one day of how we ended up down here. But um, yeah, I just, I, I risks are what they are to me. And so if I'm starting a church, matter of fact, when we moved here, we thought we moved in Winter Springs. We thought we were going to plant a church in Winter Park. And as we all started to like move here, it was like, oh, wait, God's up to something here right. in Winter Springs. Let's just do this. Yeah, I think um, as much as I have been on the journey here with you and Pastor Stacy, and although I'm not a pastor on staff here, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm a church planter with you guys. Um, I feel like the, I feel like when I'm in my city and I'm seeing the same faces oh. and I'm connecting with, right. with the same people. Right. I just feel like trust equity is being built, even yeah. though I haven't had deep conversations with some of these people yet. Like right. I'll walk into the same, we have that Magoo's place, the chicken yeah. place right next to our office yep. here. They know my name. Yep. Um, they know my order. When I go to the Starbucks, mm -hmm. they, they say hello to me and my wife and my mm -hmm. kids. Like they know my wife's coffee order. Like yep. maybe that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, we frequent a lot. But what I'm saying is that there is like um, recognition that's happening. Absolutely. And I feel like the longer that we are actually in our city here also, I think it's only the roots are going deeper, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we go to the gym often um, during lunchtime. We know the people at the gym. We see right. a lot of the same people there. Um, you said the chicken place, the um, Tijuana Flats. Right. That girl knows my name and, know, and basically knows my order. Right. I know the managers at Publix in our plaza. You're friends um, with the mayor, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like he knows your first name. He knows who I am. He says, hey, what's up, Kevin? Right. Like, which is, his name is also Kevin. His name is also Kevin. But that's cool. Like, that's cool that, that you can have that type of relationship in the city where you're actually doing ministry. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of reminds me of, you grew up playing sports, right? Um, you know, if, if you sit furthest away from the coach, you're probably the last to be called to get in the game. Right. You know, but that's it's a not good like analogy. The, yeah, it's not like the coach looking down the line and you're right there and you're just looking at him. Like, and, Let me in. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, Hockenberry, get in there, you know? Um, I think that happens when you're just always in your city. You're just always there. Yeah. You're always around. You're at the restaurants. You're at the coffee shops. You're just, you're in your city. Um, so I think we've ham hammered this point home pretty good. Um, but it, what's interesting is that number three I'm going to talk about doesn't contradict that, but I think gives you a little bit of an out if you know, you're not able to do this. Um, so the number three thing I would say is this is just some things I've learned. Uh, the church is a baby that God has given you to parents. Um, and I'm sure for those of us that are parents, um, me and you are both parents and uh, those listening, I know quite a few of you are parents. Um, you know, when you have a child and, uh, it's a good thing God doesn't just give you like a 15-year-old, right? You know, right. he gives you years to like grow into that, right? So you get a baby who doesn't walk yet, doesn't crawl yet. He's got to make sure the baby's well-fed and taken right. care of and safe. Um, but as that baby grows, you'll start having people speak over you and your child. Oh, you have a girl, huh? Oh, man, wait till she's a teenager. She's going to be a lot of trouble. Why is that? That's not... Why are you speaking that of my child? I was in youth ministry for 20 years. I work with a lot of fantastic teenage girls right. who had amazing relationships with their parents. Right. Just because you didn't with your teenage daughter doesn't mean I'm going to with Yikes. my teenage daughter. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, but then they start getting all kinds of things. You know, oh, don't give them, you know, uh, vitamin D milk. You know, that that does this. And oh, don't give them, you know, this kind of water. And they, they people start giving you all these tips and it's, it's well-meaning. And some of it's good. You got to listen to some of it. But some people just start telling you how to parent your child. Right. And so I think when it comes to, um, you know, 
planning a church is the same way. I went through some 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 good training with with uh, CMN and with Stadia, and there's a lot of stuff that I was taught um, that I didn't agree with, and I wasn't trying to be rebellious. Now, a couple things to keep in mind: one, the pandemic had just started. Right, that changed the game. That completely. changes the playbook. It changes right. the rule book. It's a different sport. In a lot of ways, it's it's a different <laughs> sport, or it's at least a different level, or whatever. Um, so that's why some of it didn't work. But then there's things they taught me that I was kind of like, nah, I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I don't know. I'd have to think about that, and I'd pray about it, and I'd talk to Stacy, and she's like, you know, I felt the same way about that. And so, I think you know, when it comes to planting a church, having a newborn baby, so to speak, something that's brand new, the world's never known authentic church before, right? Right. Um, this is something that God has given Stacy and I. Um, kind of parental control over. We're, we're the shepherds of this church. Now, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, and right. he's, he's guiding us as we're guiding this church. But every church has its things, its own DNA, its own niches, its own things that it's 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 good for, it's known for, That how the Holy Spirit is working. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's good. So, you know, just because one, you know, discipline style worked on one child doesn't mean it's going to work on, you know, another child type right. thing. And, um, what you're saying is there's no broad brush recipe for successful church planting there's not now there are things that i think there are some red rules like yeah. some things that are like you have to do there are some things you have to do this way you know um <laughs> i think you have to be legit right you know as far as like you have to be um you have to file you have to file with the state yeah absolutely you know what i right. mean you have to you have to have a health a, a, um, a responsible way of receiving you know donations for sure you have to be above board on that right. stuff. it's not just going to like kevin hockenberry's like <laughs> Personal Bro, bank account. Yeah, no joke, man. I, I, I saw a guy planning a church and he's like, he's like, yeah, if you want to give to my church, man, you can hit me up at Pastor So and So at my cash app. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's definitely yeah. rules you yes. have to, you have to apply oh, to. Please send somebody in his life. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, that's just some thought there. The church is your baby. So, you know, with that said, as I'm as I'm sharing some of these other things I said before and even some of the things, you know, we're going to talk about in these upcoming moments, you, you know, you need to pray about it. Right. You know, there, there's some things that, like, you need to pray through. Maybe that's not for me. Um, now, speaking of something I think is, is true, um, the fourth one is this. I would say um, the vision is not for sale. Yeah, that is... Um... I think that's something that you and Pastor Stacy do very well is protect that. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think that um in doing that, that has given the I think the rest of the team and even the church like congregation um safety knowing that there isn't like this weird, I don't know, uh maybe direction that could come at any moment, right? Right. Um you mean like a like a, a curveball? Yeah, like some. Yeah, like we we wouldn't be caught off guard. You know what I mean? Like right. you guys have, I think, done a very great job of saying who we are, what we stand for, what we believe. Right. Um, and those all rooted in biblical principle and 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 scripture and stuff like that. And um, I think that that has all. It also solidifies the brands within our community, right? Right. We talk about our our church is literally in the Winter Springs Town Center. Yes. Like, we're in the heart of our city, yeah. And wearing the name authentic, yeah, right. Like that's heavy as it is, but I think that you and Pastor Stacy have done done a great job of defining what that means, and and um, and what that doesn't mean. You know, right. I think you know, yeah, we're we're still humans. We make mistakes, but like, um, I think we actually you did a, a series, a sermon series, or a mini series on 
Oh, yeah. On this called Not For Sale. Not For Sale. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. By the way, as we do reference um, sermon series and whatnot, um, you can find uh, all of that stuff at My Authentic Church uh, on YouTube. You can watch any of our sermons. Also, all of our social media is My Authentic Church. Right. Uh, for what we do, um, Instagram and, and, and Facebook. Those are the two that we really mess with. Um, I think we're a couple old guys. We're not going to probably get into TikTok. I know maybe eventually we will, but yeah, maybe. I mean, but neither of us really dance all that well. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to just, I want to, this is a great point um, that I learned on my own. And I have learned that many things we learn in life come are derived from, you know, difficult situations or circumstances or whatever. And um, so when we first started, uh, we launched our service, church services, which means we started having weekly church services in July of 2021, um, we had a family that had joined us and they were, they, you know, they had become part of the church and they were bringing people, bro. Just one of those families that brings people. Right. And they ended up bringing probably as many as, as 15, 20 plus people yeah. uh, that were becoming part of our church. They were influential people. Yeah. Very influential people. And they, um, they were very uh, good givers. Okay. So, which church plants need? <laughs> All churches need, but like church plants, man, you you, you know, you get a, a family given the kind of uh, monthly support they were, they get your attention, period, right. you know? Um, now, that doesn't mean I'm treating them any better or worse than anybody, but the reality is, is that this is a family that was very, very good givers. And, um, you know, so had had lunch uh, with this gentleman a few times and things were cool. I, I liked the guy. He seemed to like me and we had good conversations and... right. Um, his family bought up a ton of church merch, you know, and at one, a couple Sundays I'd look out and he's got like three like rows of people there. And it was like really cool. Like, God, thank you for like bringing this family and bringing these people. And, you know, this is really neat what you're doing, you know, and we had just started. I mean, yeah, by September, like this guy's got all these people coming. And, um, and then we got the call like, Hey, you know, it's a little dark in the room. Hmm. Which, okay, I get it, and I agree. We're not trying to be some, like, cool youth group where we turn all the lights down and it's just dark in here. It wasn't dark because we wanted it to be dark either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the um, lights didn't work. The, the lights didn't work, and our stage lights yeah. still need help. By the way, if you'd like to help us get some stage lights. <laughs> right. <laughs> we need two, what are they called, cans? Uh, yeah, we need two front light, like, spotlights. Yeah, so we're a little dark in there still. So so he was right. It is a little dark in there, but it was out of my control. It is what it is, you know? Right. Uh, so, But I tried my best to accommodate him because... Uh, he was saying how his wife takes notes and everything. Like, I respect that. I think it's great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I love, we got a couple of young adults right now that they get there and they got their notepad out, their Bible out, the highlighter. Like, you know what's this cool? Is old school, bro. And you know what's cool? Just to, just to interject right here. Mm-hmm. We meet in a high school yeah. in an auditorium. And so all the seats have those little desks that come over. Yeah. Which is like really conducive for note-taking during it's church. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So I love it. I'm all for it. And so I, you know, I agree with them. I told them where we were at and, you know, we'll try to get it brighter. Yeah, and a, and a couple weeks go by, mm. and then we get a call like, "Hey, it's it's a little loud in there," mm. and that's when I was like, "Hmm, well, our mix isn't the best. It's a good mix. Um, the people that are doing our tech stuff are awesome. I love them. They're amazing. But not one of them has like is a trained. We audio. were all learning in that we season. We were all learning. We don't have one trained like." live audio person but they're doing an outstanding job with what they can and so the only thing i could think of was well maybe they're saying the mix is not where it could be because it's really not that loud i mean we were running probably between 87 and 92 yeah which is kind of quiet for a church is not that loud and the room size also is right right i mean there's churches cranking it up to like 102 you know that's not us you don't have to cover your ears you know right 
So I kind of listened to that. I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll look into it. But I, I knew we weren't running the sound that high. But then it all came to a head in October. We did a series called Monster. Mm. What's lurking in your relationships? And um, up until that point, we had done a lot of um, expository style preaching, which is my favorite way of preaching. We went okay. to the book of James. We went through... Um, the prodigal son story um, did a little vision, you know, series, right. and then we went into monster. And monster looked a lot different from the other series. And we used um, imagery, well, you know, like from it was like creature feature vibes. So like, and we kind of used the concept of vampire, werewolf, the ghost uh, to help. Um, These are illustrations. There are illustrations for people to see, like how big of a deal this is you know like right. a, a vampire with somebody would say would like if someone like sucks the life out of you like what do you do when you have a friend in your life that's just constantly draining right so they were great sermons in my opinion i mean they are still to this day the most listened to sermons out of all of our stuff on right on our on our youtube channel and um so he he pings me he's like hey can we do lunch and i was like okay yeah that's absolutely i, I love it because he hasn't had an agenda i love when people call me like let's just have lunch right but he also hasn't Called you and not complained yet? No, no, he hadn't. No, we all our lunches were great. There was no complaints. Okay. Yeah, the other two, the other things were like a text and a phone call or something. Oh, okay. So our lunches have been fine. We've but been was fine. he texting you and phone calling you like just encouragement ever? Not really, but we he okay. would hey let's go lunch let's go to lunch gotcha. and then he would do that. So it's been a good relationship. Okay. And then you know we're talking. I could tell he was different. His mm. you know his tone was a little different. He was carrying himself a little different. And um. And he went in and just said, hey, I'm just I'm uncomfortable like seeing a, like a vampire on the screen in a church like that doesn't jive with me. And it's like, yeah, I get it, man. I, I can see how that, you know, if you didn't come up like that and how that could, you know, he, he was concerned. There's a there's a I won't get into that. He was just concerned that we were going to become something different than what he thought we were. OK, which we never did. Right. And I said, you know what, man, I, I would, you got to remember, like, there's a lot of people that out there that aren't Christians or, or, or this stuff doesn't bother. And this is just a, a way to draw them in. The imagery and the artwork was actually really, really good. Right. Um, and I said, I would just challenge you to go back and listen to the sermons. Like, tell me where I'm off theologically, you know? Um, and he came the next weekend. And then that was the last time we saw him and his family and all the people and the money. <laughs> and I was faced with this, um, this fork in the road right where i could call him and say hey man i see what you're saying you know what i mean yeah you could bend to what yeah i'm gonna i'm actually gonna call off this sermon series we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into ephesians and spend some some time in ephesians and i would have gotten that money back that he was giving those people back that were going to be serving soon right um the whole thing and uh, talked to some mentors about it. I never wavered. I never, like, was going to. Right. But the thought is there. And so I just kind of talked to some folks and just realized the vision's not for sale. Right. And this is a vision that God has given Stacy and I to do deep, emotionally, spiritually, you know, healthy-type sermons. Like, mental health-type sermons. Right. And I think what's even, like, more special or as special is that that series really put our church onto a path of healing for our city. I, so, yeah. Yeah. That that church was a def- I mean that sermon series was a defining moment in our church history. And had I caved, we would not have experienced what we're experiencing now. 
Right. And our, let me tell you something right now. Our church is the deepest, like most emotionally, spiritually healthy church. It's just unbelievable what right. God is doing here. And I hear it constantly from our people, how much they're eating it up. And we're, our attendance is growing. Our classes are growing. Right. Our life groups are growing. You know what I mean? Marriages are doing better. Marriages are doing, marriages being put back together. Right. It's, it's special. It, what we're, What's happening right now is special. It's slow growth, but it's happening and it's deep like that, like that deep, like tree by a creek type roots going way Come down. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so um, I would say your vision's out for sale, man. And and and, and you're going to have those moments where you're going to be tempted to cave and do something maybe, you know, God's not calling you to do because it's a short-term fix, but it's a long-term deficit. You know? Right. Had you said, had you bowed down to that request, that was just inviting others to sway you. Right, right, right. I'm proud of you for sticking to. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because once you cave once, then now, now you're, now you're moldable. You're breakable. Right? Oh shoot! Uh, another thing before you plant, uh, take years if you can, uh, digging wells that you will drink from later. This is a this is from a book. I'm not sure the name of the book, but this is. I, I, I was talking to a pastor, and he walked me through this when I was in this um, season of planning a church. Um, because I had been in, um, you know, full-time vocational ministry for probably almost 20 years when I was getting ready to plant the church, I had uh, developed a very large network of people um, all over, all over the country and in all different seasons and places of life. I had like right. former students, youth, youth kids that were like now successful missionaries or whatever, and old youth pastors and lead pastors. I mean, you name it, so many different people that when I went to plant a church— I had so many wells to draw from. And endorsement too, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. just everything, you know. Hey, you know, I we, we I had a guy, does a buddy of mine paid for our, our Nord keyboard. He's like, I, I need a keyboard. He's like, well, here's, you know, two grand or whatever it is right. that we needed. Just like that. I, another guy just called me out of the blue. What do you need? Man, we need pipe and drape right now, like desperately. Okay, how much do you need? You know, like that. I, I yeah. can't tell you how many people financially supported us, prayerfully supported us, texting me, encouraging me. And and I see, you know, like sometimes younger people trying to plant a church. And I'm not saying like it can't be done, but if you're 25 and you're trying to plant a church and your network's only so big at this point, you've only dug so many wells at this point. It's just, it's, that's hard. Right. And so when people ask me, like, you know, I started this church when I was what, 42, 43. Right. Um, that's kind of old for a lot of church planters, you know? Um, I think 30s is a great season to plant a church, you know, and I think my age was fine. Um, but I think, you know, for these younger bucks, man, if you're just, if you're called to do it and you know you absolutely have to plant a church right now, then my, then my God, go for it. You right. Know? But if you're planting a church because it seems cool. Welcome to the hardest season of your life. <laughs> my goodness, it is so hard. It's so hard. Um, so anyway, just, just kind of throwing that out there, um, you know, dig, dig some wells and, and you'll drink for them later. Um, this is some thoughts, you know, um, this next one, number six, if I didn't say the other numbers, but this is like the sixth thought, uh, the people that you know are going to support you probably won't. Ouch. And people ask me my, my biggest pain points in, in starting a church and being a lead pastor. There's two of them. This is one of them. Uh, the other one is when people start attending my church and then just ghost me and leave. You know, okay. they're they're with us for a month. They're with us for two months. They're with us for six months, whatever. 
And then just all of a sudden, you know, hey, have you heard from so-and-so? Well, no, I texted her, I texted him, I haven't heard back, and and they're just gone. And um, I don't know, I don't understand how Christians can do that to each other. Or people in general. I just feel like, what yeah. level of maturity are you? Yeah, and I know like a lot of people don't want to deal with conflict and all that stuff, but so often I feel like the reason you're leaving is something we could work through you know, or, or, or if we can't like, man, shake hands. I'm going to, we might be neighbors one day <laughs> in eternity, you know, right. you don't know what your dress is going to be. You might be right next door to me and you walked right. out of my church and how awkward is that going to be in heaven? Right. You know, but that's one of my pain points. The other pain point is just this, you know, um, man, I, I have had people that I have been their biggest supporters in life. Mm. I have, um, former parents that are very well off financially. Um, that I have spent time on the phone with them, hours on the phone with them when, when their kid was in youth ministry. Right. I, I, I bled for their kid, man. I did anything I could for their child. I fought for their child, prayed for their child and um, counseled and just, man, I gave my life, you know? And, and then, and then and now, now it's like, I don't want to say payback, but now it's like, hey, now I'm starting a church. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and it's just crickets, you and, know? Yeah, and you're just like, I just need a little bit of help, man. Yeah, man, even like a text message, man, I'm praying for you. Or, you know, I know not everybody can do things financially, but, you know, there are people that can, you know. Right. Um, sometimes I pray for those people that God would ask them to start a church. <laughs> <laughs> Just so they can see what it's like. Right. <laughs> no, I'm totally joking. Um, but yeah, man, so, some of the people that you just know, you know, they're either going to join your team. You know, this is this is your this is your boy. This is your friend. You're going to start a church. You know, he's going to be like, I'm coming with you. And then he's just he's not. I came with you, PK. You did. Thanks, man. <laughs> but even if he doesn't come with you, it's like, all right, whatever. But then there's no, there's not a lot of encouragement. Right. You know, then you get out of sight, out of mind, which hurts. Yeah. You know, I think that's one thing for me. That's the nature of everything. Um, but when you're, you, you are out of sight, out of mind, people forget about you. I imagine in the position that you're in as the, in a lot of ways, the CEO of this church, mm -hmm. right? I am the president. You're the president. Legally. Of legally of this church, I imagine it, it is uh, very isolating at times. Do you feel isolated at times? That's a good question. I know pastors who are isolated. I don't think I'm one of them. I do think there are times when, and I, maybe this is what you're asking, only I can feel certain um, pressures. Right. And I feel the heaviness and the weight differently. Which as a staff pastor all these years, I was new to be true about the lead pastor. But now right. that I am the lead pastor, now I understand it from a different vantage. Some things that only you can carry. Yeah. But I also have friends of mine that are in the same season of life that I'm able to talk to. That's where I'm not isolated. Mm. And so, man, what do you do when, you, you know, you, the biggest tithing family in your church just moved and just left? Or, how, how, hey, man, I got this opportunity to buy land or whatever, you know. So you go back and forth with people and talk with right. people and... Um, that are in a similar season. So you so, feel like you have a pretty good network. I think so. Of like-minded yeah. friends and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, some that are here locally, some that are across the country. Um, you know, so I, I don't feel isolated, but man, I know a lot of pastors that, man, they, they go to office during the day, they come home, they sit on the couch, they watch Fox News. <laughs> you know Yikes. what I'm saying? Wife brings them some dinner, they go to bed, they do it all over again. And mm -hmm. there's just little connectivity. Um but anyway, um, but then the seventh thing I would say is this. Much of your support will come from people that you never expected it to. And that's cool. That's really cool. And it's really humbling. We Some of our um, people that have given us the most financially or asked about the church the most 
are people that have been watching us from the sidelines for years. Wow. You know, and all of a sudden you find out, you know, the Hernandez family or Johnson family or whatever, like gave some significant, you know, check yeah. to the church and you're just like, whoa, you know, and then they reach out to you and they're like, hey, we want to, you know, get some some merch too. And you're like, well, I'll just send you some. No, no, we're going to pay for it. You know, wow. like, and they just, it's just like, wow. And honestly, I have like, like the goosebumps for you. Telling yeah, me. thank you. I, I gave you some goosebumps. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I um, when that happens, Sometimes, dude, I don't even know who the people are. Like, I can't put their face to the name. Oh, wow. You know, it's like that kind of sideline type right. action, you know? But it's cool that, like, that people do that. Like wind in your sail type situation. I think so. Uh, here's, um, and this will probably be the final thing. Um, and this is one I'm still f- trying to figure out myself. So I don't have an answer for this per se, but uh, you need some actual Christians to help you lead. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you're planning a church and you're doing it for the right reason, what would the right reason be to plant the church? Reach the lost. Reach the lost or reach the the ones who used to be one and are now lost, right? right. The people that have walked away from church, church hurt, whatever. But just, man, I want to I don't want to start a church and just say, "Hey, we're the coolest new hippest thing in town. Come to our church because it's better than yours," right? Um, no, I really genuinely want to reach people who are lost. Um, and we've done that. Okay. <laughs> we have definitely reached some people that used to go to church, don't anymore, raw. I mean, we got some people in our church. I don't think they're Christians yet. And then we got some people that are barely Christians, you know. And I mean, we've, we've had explained like why the, 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 the wine and the, you know, the cracker for communion. Like, what is that? You right. know, what is communion? And like, we've had a, so it's been really cool. And so like when you preach, like you preach that way in a way where like you're explaining, like you don't just say, remember Abraham did this? Like, no, there's a guy named Abraham in the Bible and blah, 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 blah. You know, so it, it, it changes the way you you communicate. Um, and I just don't, like I said, I don't want to be the church that's just trying to steal Christians from other churches, you know? And the unfortunate thing is, and I'm going to say something hurt, not hurtful. I'm going to say something offensive here, but it's a good offensive. People need to hear this. Almost every church plant I see, their advertising screams, come to my church. To an, a person who already belongs yep. to somewhere. Yeah. What are they advertising? Dynamic worship and relevant preaching. How many times do you see that over and over and over and over and over right. in church planting? And then, and then just and just church, you know, uh, advertisements. Who are you advertising to? Like... The people I know that don't go to church. They don't know what dynamic worship They means. don't care about it. They don't give a rip about <laughs> relevant preaching. You know what I mean? They want to know what are you doing in the community? How are right. you active? And right. Are you partnering with the local school? And, you know, what is it? You know, that's what they want to know. Right. Oh, my so, goodness. Um, you know, so and if you look at all of our marketing, which you've done much of. Yes. <laughs> our stuff doesn't say that, man. And we invite people to come to our church. For sure. Um, I've said things before, like if you're looking for a church consider visiting us but never once have i talked about my preaching or the worship you know about and that's some great you know come see that right um so with all that said my heart is to reach the lost or or or, or those who used to go to church but they don't give a rip about this stuff but at the same time i do need christians now we did have quite a few people from virginia come with us um, but at the same time it, it, it still wasn't enough right um, and so like, man, God send us families, right? The harvest is plenty and the workers are flu that a few, that scripture is becoming very, um, evident the right. more I'm doing ministry here as, a, as a church planter. 
Right. I'm seeing the amount of people who need to be discipled and the amount of people who are able to disciple. I'm like, oh, this is not. <laughs> yeah. The math is not mathing, right? I feel like. Right. We need help. We need help. And you can't just put people in positions that they're not ready for. For sure. Like you can't go to the, a life group and the life group leaders like, you know, cutting up some lines of cocaine or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm, God's breaking me of this habit. Yeah. You know, like, give me a second like, here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you need like if you have a life group, like they need to be the leaders need to be they need to love Jesus and have a basic understanding of theology. Right. And, um, so what's been really cool is I will say this. Um, we have not had much transfer growth from other churches. Right. I haven't targeted. I don't know. That's not what I'm asking. We have had some. And listen, and, and somebody may need to hear this. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about leaving your church, there are times when it's time to leave your church to go to another church. Okay. And, I, and I wrote a whole thing on that recently. It was on Facebook. I don't think you saw it. I probably um, didn't. Probably didn't. Um, but I wrote a whole thing on like, when is it time to leave your church? Um, and there are times when it is. And we have people that have left ours. And then, you know, there's maybe some transfer growth from local churches. But I would say... Man, 90% of our people, I don't think we're really going to other churches. You know, and I think we have been praying as a staff mm-hmm. for the Lord to start to send some seasoned saints. Yeah. And he is. And, he is. And it's people that are moving to the area. Exactly. Which is really cool because yeah. they don't belong any, anywhere right. yet. Right. And some great people, man. We got a we got a young couple that um, she's a counselor, and she's just really into what we're doing because we're really leaning into the whole mental health and counseling thing. And she's like, none of the other churches around here are doing that, right? So that really she gravitated towards that. Uh, we have another family that just moved here, and they visited some other churches, and then they visit ours. They're like, yep, this is home, you know. Um, and so we're getting people like that uh, that you know don't have ten years of roots in another church. So you would say. We're post-launch now. You would say that you wish maybe that we targeted or figured out a way to have some more seasoned people uh, no, along the this way? Is, this, is, this is one that I don't know the answer to. Okay. I just know that we can't have 90 adults in the room and five of them are seasoned believers. Okay. That's unsustainable. You're going to have all kinds of messes and fires you're dealing with. And And you know what is really cool about you and Pastor Stacey's leadership is that you recognize that ratio is off. Mm -hmm. And instead of just complaining about it, you start a class through Authentic You called Groundwork to help season people, which which I think like, okay, God's giving us people now and they're here with us and they love the church and they want to grow. And now here's here's the next step. It's a pipeline. Which is which is really cool. It's a pipeline. Um have you bought eggs recently? I have. And and have you seen the price of them? I have. And it's man, gosh, it's they're so expensive, right? And eggs, I'm finding more and more people are kind of like, I'm figuring out how to like make cookies without my eggs and right. how can I like survive with using as few eggs as possible. And you know what's happening right now? There are more and more people. I read a, a thing on CNN the other day. There are more people now um getting chickens and making having their own eggs. Interesting. You know? Yeah, it's becoming. A, I think some people are like think that's a cool idea, uh, but like now, like no eggs are really that expensive. You you get yourself five or six chickens, you, you have chilling. eggs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and I think that's where I, when I think about where we're at with leaders, you know, it's like I I don't have them. It's time to grow them. Let's make them. Let's go, dude. Let's go, that's, baby. It's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. I so. think this. I think this has been really really cool. Even for me, who I've been on the journey with you, and just to kind of hear your heart and unpacking like some of those things that, man, 
here's some things I would have done differently or some things that had I known what we were walking into, we could have really had a head start on some of this stuff. Right. How important, this is this a final question and then we can close out of this, but how important is it in your opinion, like to have good marketing and like campaigns, I'm holding up quotations next to the microphone, um, as someone who's starting a church, like. That's a great question. You have to, you have to hit a certain bar. Um, that's one of the great blessings, obviously, we have with you. you. You came with us, and although you're still on staff with Chapel Springs, you're able to give us you know, uh, some time here and there to, to help us with some of this stuff, which has been great. I don't have that you know, skill right. set to do that. I think the Lord gave us also uh, Renee, uh, who's just a great wordsmith, you know, which has just got a great grasp on the English language. And so between a lot of your artwork and videos and then her captions, I mean, we we do I think an amazing job. Again, you can check us out on at my authentic church on on Instagram to see some of the work we do. Um, but it really puts a, a good you know um, the representation of us out there. Um, I would also say in that I think there's kind of um, I've talked to you about this before. Sometimes I wonder, are we making ourselves look too good? Mm. Do we look like a church of five thousand? Right. You know, and um, when people are looking for that, and so I've had those questions, but. To answer your question, you have to hit a certain bar with marketing, I think. Okay. Um, but at the same time, there are companies out there, and you have to hit a bar. And if you're incapable of doing it, there are companies out there. Matter of fact, my friend, I got two friends. I'll give them a plug. Mike and Carmen Galliano. These are two people that are pastors that started a marketing company. and um, Redwood. Redwood. Marketing. Redwood Marketing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe not. Either way, um, the, these guys are fantastic, and they're just helping church plants and churches um, get set up with their marketing, and, and and they really help quite a bit. And there's lots of companies like this that you can hire, and it might cost you a few hundred bucks a month or, or whatever it costs. I don't know, you know, completely what those things cost. You can probably, probably spend a couple thousand dollars a month if you wanted to. Um, but they can do, you know, artwork for sermon series and artwork for mailer campaigns and you know, all of that. So there's a bar you have to hit. And if you can't do it, then hire it, you know? Yeah. And, and that's more, I would say it's, it's up there. I think your kids and, and babies directors, or you got to get that secure also, but your marketing is so important because it helps draw people in the redwood co. Yes. Dot com. Yes. Great people. They have, they are, they have the heart of a pastor. Mm -hmm. They are great listeners. Yeah. Um, they are encouraging people. They're energetic. Yeah. And so to answer your question, I think it's just you have to hit a bar um, because there's so much noise out there. Right. Quality noise even. I mean, right. some of the stuff teenagers are producing on their phones these days, you know, is, mm -hmm. is, is better than what a lot of churches are doing. Right. Um, and so I, I do think there's a bar you got to hit. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to go to some janky thing. Just when it's not, when it doesn't look. Yeah, like if the presentation on their <clears throat> website or on their social media looks janky, I'm not even going to give it a shot. I'm just, that's just me being transparent. Well, it's the new front door. Right. You know, years ago, the front door of the church was the front door of the church. Right. So if you walked up and there are weeds everywhere and then the door needs to be painted and you'd be like, huh, what's going on here? Um, now the new front door is Instagram, your website, right. Facebook, whatever. So that's why I think that what you're saying makes sense. Cool. Yep. That's all I got. Um, I did want to mention this. <laughs> so I coach Joey's baseball team. Yeah. Um, and that is two practices a week and a game a week. So that's a commitment right that's there. That's a commitment. That's true. And I'm coaching. It's not like he's just in it. I'm right. coaching it. That's my son. And um, shout out to my son, Joey, by the way. He wanted me to talk about him on the podcast. And we love Joey. We love, we love Joey. 
So um, I, uh, in between the fall season and the the spring season, there was winter, right? Yeah. So I thought I'd get my kids playing Naturally. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my kids playing basketball. What I didn't realize is there's six weeks of overlap. Oh no. So now the girls have a practice and a game, and Joey has a practice and a game, and Joey has two practices and a game. It's seven things now. 